Nikki and I were in Atlanta a few years ago for a small group conference, and we went out to this, uh, went out for dinner at this place called the, uh, I think it was, oh geez, the One-Eared Stag. It was like this really kind of weird place that had good food, except Nikki ordered um, chicken of the forest, and she thought it was going to be like some Cornish game hen or some wild bird, and it was like a fancy name, and then it came out, and you know what chicken of the, some of you know what chicken of the, yeah, it's mushrooms, she, and so we walk away from this meal, and she's like, that's kind of disappointing, I was absolutely stuffed, and so as we were driving back to our hotel, um, we drive by this place close, as we get closer to downtown Atlanta, and on the left, there was this um, bright, bright fluorescent light in the shape of a donut, and it said hot. Are you familiar? So some of you don't realize, but uh, Minnesota used to have Krispy Kremes, um, and anytime, anytime you drive by a Krispy Kreme donut and the hot light is on, you literally don't have a choice. You must pull in. You don't go through the drive-thru. You go into the restaurant or whatever. It's not really a restaurant. The donut tree. Um, it's not a, I hate when people call a donut place a bakery because they're not baking anything. They're frying donuts. Right? They're not baking them. They're frying them. They're, it's like a donut tree. Don't fight me on this. You don't, but I would say a donut isn't even really a pastry. It's a donut. So anyways, we pull in, and I'm stuffed, but you, you don't have a choice. You go in, you get a free one, and then you immediately order a dozen hot glazed, and you eat yourself absolutely sick. There's really been only one time that I've ever eaten so much that I had to stop eating, and that was on my birthday, um, not this year, which was just last week. Um, it was my birthday approximately, I have to think now, 13 years ago, so that would have made me 18, um, not 18, uh, 13 years ago, maybe four, 12 years ago, and we'd gone to Fogo de Chao, and I, I got home, and the kids had made me... A cake, and I was just like eating this cake and ice cream. I'm like, I literally cannot eat one more bite. Have you ever been there? It's not a good place to be. Let's just say that. So if you ever drive by a Krispy Kreme and you're with your parents and the red hot light is on, you say, uh, we have to stop. I know we just ate Thanksgiving meal, but we have to stop because we need to get some hot donuts. Um, there's hard, hardly a thing to beat a hot, hot donut. Uh, let's open up to James chapter 4. You'll see how this fits in uh, in just a second. Somebody got a page in the yellow? 1012, the mustard Bibles. All right, so last week, what, we, what did we talk about last week? Other than meatloaf? Right. Training. 
things like wild animals and our tongues. Um, so we're kind of in a similar vein as we go into chapter 4, because as many of you may know, but some of you might not know, there isn't really chapters. When James was writing this, he wasn't like, and chapter 4, it was just one stream of thought. And so he's talking about the tongue and taming the tongue and wisdom and all that, and then he goes into this, um, what we call chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So he gets into this um, with a few questions. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You ever get to that place where you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this one thing. Or maybe, like we just got through the Lenten season, and some of you decide, like, all right, for Lent, I'm going to give up such and such. A lot of people give up candy or sweets or whatever. And then all you can think about is that particular thing. So in college, I had gone through this. Um, I was speaking at this event, and so I decided that I was going to do this fast. And if you ever stop eating, like don't eat anything um, for a religious purpose, fasting, if you choose to not eat anything um, for something other than religious purposes, that's wrong. Um, so I had done this for religious purposes, and I would just get like the weirdest cravings. So growing up, I lived close to the elementary school, so I would ride my bike to school or walk to school, and I would often go home for lunch, and I would always eat for lunch microwaved hot dogs. <laughs> right? Disgusting. Not the redskin hot dogs, because those are the most disgusting. And so then there I was, like, just salivating over envisioning eating a microwaved hot dog in a cheap bun wrapped in tinfoil with just ketchup. It's weird. But see, James is talking about the, 
the desires that we have are often at war within us. So when we say, well, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to eat that, oftentimes that's exactly what our mind wants to do or wants to eat or wants to engage with. Are you following me here? So it's like this war is going on in us. You desire and you do not have, so you go to the extreme. You murder. It's like, whoa, extremist. You covet and cannot obtain it, so you fight and you quarrel. You want something so bad that you're willing to fight over it or to um, quarrel over it. And it makes me think when kids are around and... Like, we watched Brett and Tori's kids um, when you guys were all at the retreat, and we were over at Chris's house, and uh, see, I see I did like this little curveball, you thought I was setting them up, and I'm over at Chris's house, and William and Weston have uh, one Lego guy that they're fighting over. I'm like, it's one guy. You have other guys. And one of them had the head of Mr. Lego Ninjago, and William wanted the head to go with his body, and it wouldn't. I'm like, who cares? But it won't work unless it has its head. So go get another head. Alert the media Lego heads are interchangeable. And they were fighting over the dumbest stuff. And we all laugh at them, but how often do we fight over the same stuff? And James is saying to the people, stop fighting with each other over this stupid stuff. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. I've told this story a few times, but uh, back in the day, when someone would call my house, the house phone, 665-3404 was our, our phone number, which is ironic because our house number was 404 East 15th Street. And so somebody would call, and they'd say, is Andy there? Yep. I would say, yeah, yeah, he's here. Now you just sit there. <laughs> like, what? Oh, can I talk to him? Oh, yeah, you didn't ask if you could talk to him. You just asked if he was here. They'd be like, come on, you knew what I meant. No, I didn't actually know what you meant. I thought maybe you were just checking to see if he was here. Do you ever think God is like that with us? You're like, oh, I just, I wish I had this one thing. And God's just sitting there like, I would be happy to give that to you, but you're not, you didn't ask me. You ever think about that? Like there's certain things in our lives that God wants to give us, but we haven't asked him for them. And this becomes an interesting thing because there are things that we ask God for that he doesn't give to us. And James speaks to that a little bit. He says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I'm not going to lie. There's been a few times when I've been like, Lord Jesus, please, may I hit the Powerball? <laughs> Too serious? And God's like, I'm not going to let you win the Powerball. What are you going to do with $500 million? I swear I'll give one-tenth of it to Timberwood Church. 
and then I'll blow the rest on divas, right? <laughs> but God knows there's certain things that we're asking for that we are asking for in the wrong way. You do not have because you do not ask, or you do not have because you ask for the wrong reason, or you ask with the wrong intent. And so James is saying, when you're asking God for something, evaluate, why am I asking God for this? Now, I am well aware that we get to this place where we're like, okay, Eric, I'm asking God for this good thing, and I'm asking with good intentions, and I'm asking in the right way, why isn't God giving it to me? I don't know what the answer is. See, growing up, when I was in high school, I decided that I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And in South Dakota, the Naval Academy, you get one position, um, one appointment each year to each academy based on the number of representatives you have in the House of Representatives, which is based on your population. So South Dakota has how many representatives? A one, uh, because of the massive population across the state. And so I was... When I started down this path, I was like, all right, God, like, this is what I want to do, and so will you give this to me? Will you provide me with this? And he took me along all the way up to the final 10, and then through a crazy series of events, I didn't get in. And I was like, oh, so bummed. Like, God, I had all the right intentions. It seemed like it was a really good idea. And then later on, Nikki says, yeah, if you would have gone to the Naval Academy, we would not have been a thing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thank you, God. Yes. I didn't want that anyways. But there are certain things that we ask God for, and he doesn't give us because we ask in the wrong way, or it might not be the right thing for us, or we might have the wrong intent. He says, do you not know that friendship, okay, I skipped something, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So do you have any of those friends? Like you have friend A and you have friend B, and friend A and friend B are not friends. And so you're like, I really want to hang out with friend A this weekend, and I want to hang out with friend B this weekend, but friend A and friend B will not hang out with one another. It's almost like the same ends of a magnet. You know, they cannot connect. They won't connect. And so then you're torn. You're like, all right, who do I pick? Friend A or friend B? Friend A or friend B? If I pick friend A, then friend B will hate me. If I pick friend B, then friend A will hate me. And you're like, well, you got to make a decision. In the same way, that is what James is saying. We can't be friends with the world and also friends with God. He says, if we are friends with the world, then we are enemies of God. And so we take this, uh, as Maddie said um, earlier, so does that mean like we're going to talk about being a friend of the world like Earth Day? No. Being a friend of the world, the ecosystem, is a good thing, okay? James is not saying trash the planet, don't recycle, you know, get a burn pile for all your trash, um, 
just let your diesel truck run all the time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying a friend of the world, meaning the world system. And it's interesting because you, you adulterous people, he's trying to say that when we are friends with the world, meaning the world system, meaning, meaning the things of the world, like what? No. Like, think about the evil things of the world or worldly things. What? Not humans. We could start a list, but we don't have time to go through this list. If you're having problems wondering what those things are, I'm sure you can talk about it during small group. And what James is saying is we can't be a friend of the world. In essence, we're cheating on God if we are hanging out or being a friend of the world. And it makes it challenging because we want to be friends with people who are in the world, and we can be friends with people who are in the world without being a friend of the world. We can be in the world, as John says, and not of the world. So when somebody looks at us, do they, do they see you look like everyone else in the world, or do they see somebody who looks like Christ? Do we do the same things that the world does, or do we do different things? And James is saying, you can't be a friend of the world, participating in all these worldly things, and also be a friend of God. He says, do you suppose it is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God is a jealous God, and it's like when you're hanging out with the world, God is jealous because he wants you to be hanging out with him. And you can't do both. You can't hang out with the world and hang out with God at the same time. It's like you older students, you know, if you're ever sitting with, like, say, a boyfriend or a girlfriend um, on the couch, you always leave room for Jesus or the Holy Spirit, right? Because you can't be, like, sitting right next to your person and leave room for God. So you just leave room for the Holy Spirit, okay? That one was free. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Seems kind of harsh, but then he follows it up with, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And he has this interesting little contrast going on. When we draw near to God, God says, oh, you want to hang out with me? You want to draw near to me? Then I'm also going to draw near to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And then in the next few verses, he talks about, don't be judging, don't be judgy towards your brothers or your sisters or your friends, you know, because that's te the tendency we have, oh, that person's doing a worldly thing. They must be God's enemy. What he's saying is you're not in that position. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to, into such and such a town and spend, there, uh, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. 
Yet you do not know that tomorrow, what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your ignorance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This idea of our lives being a mist. So when I was in Alaska this fall, it was fascinating because it was super duper calm most of the time we were there. And since we were close to the coast and in between these mountains and we were on this lake that turned into this river, in the morning time there was this like misty haze that hung over the water. And it was just this fascinating thing and I'd wake up before sunrise and I did some time-lapse video, and it was like it was moving. It was like it was alive. It'd go, it'd go down the river, and then it'd come back over the lake, and then it'd go down the river, and then all of a sudden, poof, it was gone. And I know in our time, in, in our days, we think, oh, I'm young. Well, most of us think. I'm young, i got lots of time, my life isn't, this doesn't even make any sense to me, my life, life is not this mist. i got my whole life ahead of me. And what James is saying is, if we think that we have all of our life ahead of us, if we think that we have an infinite number of days, we should think again. Because we're going to wake up someday... And we're going to be like, oh, I'm not as young as I used to be. And my life is passing away. What we should say is, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. We should submit ourselves to God. And then he concludes this little section and he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, For him, it is a sin. It's interesting because it's this kind of throwaway line at the end of this chapter, and yet it is like the ringing in our ears when our parents tell us as we leave the house, don't do anything stupid. And you're like, oh, because I had some stupid ideas in my head. So Wyatt was leaving uh, the other day with um, a friend of his who can drive, um, Izzy's brother, and I was like, all right, how should I approach this? And I didn't say don't do anything stupid. I said don't do anything illegal. Because you can do a lot of stupid things that aren't necessarily illegal. And I'd be okay with that. Because stupid is a spectrum. But what's legal and what's illegal is pretty cut and dry. It's not often you're like, yeah, officer, I guess I didn't realize that that was illegal. (laughs) Like, what, are you not from around, like, the world? That is obviously illegal. And James puts this little spin on it at the end, and he says... You have all been aware of this, been made aware of this. So you can't be like, oh, God, yeah, friend of the world thing. I wasn't sure that that was wrong. 
And what James is saying is, if you know what is right and what is wrong, which that would be all of you, (laughs) because, well, all of you that have been actually paying attention, so maybe 60% of you, and you go do it, he says, that is sinful. You're like, ah, I wish I would have known that that was illegal. Like when we climbed into the cabin, and then the officer, I told you this story, right? And the officer says, you guys knew that was wrong, right? And we're like, yeah, of course, it said right on the door. Like, we can't plead ignorance. We knew exactly what we were doing. The bottom line is when we know we're held responsible and now we know. So the question is, are we, are we going to follow through with the responsibility that has been directed to us? Let's pray. Bless you. Father God, we come on this glorious night and it is glorious, yes, because it is Super nice outside, and it is springtime, but it is also glorious because we get to gather here, and we get to open up your word and hear from you. And yeah, for a lot of us, for life, we can plead ignorance. But we know that to be a friend of you is the best thing. That you desire, that you are jealous for us, and you want to be in relationship with us And you want to be in exclusive relationship with us. And so tonight we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be working in our hearts and in our minds, that you would be teaching us what it looks like to be in an exclusive relationship with you and with the Father and with the Son. And that as we know what is right, meaning what what it is that you've called us to do, that you would empower us to live that out so that when our friends look at us, we look different. We don't look like everyone else in the world. We look like sons and daughters of the Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget to help after your discussion, please.